right, so welcome everybody. Uh, this is the uh, Downey First Christian Church podcast. Uh, this is something that we started to do uh, actually when COVID, mm, not when it just started, when it was, we're like in the middle of COVID. Mm. And we started we started calling it the Lockdown Podcast. <laughs> because we're trying to decide what name would work. And uh, Lockdown Podcast, we called it that because, you know, we were in lockdown. Yeah. And so we don't have a name for it right now. So DFCC Podcast, Downing First Christian Church Podcast. Kind I don't of, know. Kind of like that lockdown. You like the lockdown yeah. one? I think we might just decide to call it that. What? Why? What? What is it that you like about that name? I mean, it has a nice I, ring to it. It definitely has a nice yeah, ring to it's, it. It's it's unique. I don't think I've ever. It's actually been a good name for a band. The lockdown. <laughs> the yeah. Lockdown. yeah. 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 It's just. I guess it's reminiscent of what we went through. Uh huh. But um, no, I just I think it has a real good ring to it. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone asks, like, why do you call it the lockdown? Well, because we started out when we were in lockdown. Yeah. So there's actually a story behind the name. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There's a good history to it. Yeah. Yeah. So for the, for those of you who don't know who I'm talking to, this is a uh, uh, Fernando. I always call you Alarcon. Yeah, that's Alarcon. How do how do they say it when someone is an American trying to say your name? How does it come Ooh, out? It's been butchered. Uh, <laughs> it's, one of those um, it's me. It's usually Alarcon, Alarcon. which I guess I yeah, mean yeah. you sound it out, but Alarcon. Alarcon. Is, yeah. 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 It's, it's rare to hear someone actually say Alarcon. Alarcon. Yeah, so uh, most of you guys probably know that I grew up as a missionary in Chile. And in Chile, we have a very famous comedian mm-hmm. called Fernando, Fernando Alarcon. Alarcon. So immediately when I hear your name, that's what comes to my mind. Well, I am kind of a comedian. <laughs> you are? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we were just uh, we were just talking um, as we were getting ready. Um, you and I were just kind of kind of we just kind of hinted on it a little bit this whole idea of gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, of having, because uh, I asked you, how's your day? And um, you were like, yeah, it was, it was a, you know, so far so good. And uh, I was just talking about, you know, almost um, like you can have two people that have the exact same day. Mm-hmm. One person can say it was terrible because of this and this and that. And another person will take the bad and say, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm still grateful because all these good things happened. Yeah. So how do we develop that sort of mindset? Because I feel like you're really good at that mindset. Like you're, po- I, I, I consider you a positive person in general. Um, well, like I said, I, I, I take a stoic approach to it, and that's kind of a philosophy thing. Um, you know, just kind of what's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I even to put it more in a biblical text, I, I always just think of you know, let tomorrow worry about itself. Yes. Um, in the grand scheme, like I was telling you, my faith overpowers everything yeah and when i see what i have in the grand scope of everyone around us i mean just in other countries Mm -hmm. i mean just the situation that's going right now in ukraine yes i mean yeah i might have caught some traffic here you know someone cut me off yeah but there's always more good than there is bad yes and i you know i i I look at what god's provided me Mm. with and the good always going to overshadow the bad. Yes. In most cases. You yeah. Know, you know, some people really hit a bad skit, you mm-hmm. know, but for the majority of us, I think it's just really more focusing on what's good in your life mm. as opposed to what's bad. And a lot of the things that we do that end up being bad to us, it's really self-inflicted sometimes. Mm. And it's, it's just a learning curve. And that's kind of where I take the step back. I allow myself some emotions and I said, okay, what did I do? What didn't I do? Right. Why am I here? Right. And, Usually that just kind of helps me uh, get more of a perspective. Right, right. How can I avoid these things in the future? So was there, was there, can you tell people what you do for work? Yes. Um, 
so I'm a program manager. So basically what I do is we run, I run uh, four different programs for an independent agency that works with the regional center of California, which there's multiple. Mm-hmm. Uh, primarily we deal with uh, South Central Los Angeles Regional Center and the Eastern Los Angeles Regional Center. So I work with people with uh, developmental um, or intellectual delay. Uh, so we, I do an assessment on them and I try to gear a plan to help them become more independent mm-hmm. um, to hopefully in the future they live on their own or if they continue to res- um, decide to live on their own, um, I'm able to implement uh, certain generic services and products so that they can uh, continue to live a more fruitful life on their own, um, you know, because they're always going to need some sort of assistance. Yeah. So um, that's kind of helped me gain perspective in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, the, once again, the little things that we call, you know, I yeah have the ability to do a lot of things compared to some of the people that I have to mm-hmm. assist with. So, um, you know, in that aspect, I'm very blessed yeah. and yeah. don't really have much to complain about. <laughs> so, so what would you say? Cause here's my question. What was there, was there a moment or a, a, a stage in your life where that changed? In other words, you were more negative at one point and then something happened and you became more positive or gained a more mature perspective on life. Um, I would, yeah, you know, it, I was, <laughs> I was kind of a negative Nancy at first. Were you, you know? really? Yes, I was. Um, it it was kind of a woe is me kind of a thing. Um, I, you know, I'm doing this. Why is this person doing it? And right. I think I'm better than they are. Mm. I'm not as good, I'm not as bad as they are. Kind uh-huh. of a thing, you know. Uh-huh. So, um, it would it was something that it it took time, uh, but definitely I think, uh, I would have to say probably about. 15 years ago, it's where I, I kind of started changing more. I mean, I was on that transition, but um, that's slowly because I was more getting into my faith. Mm. Um, but about 15 years ago, as soon as I started doing this work, I'm like, you know what? Um, all these little things that I'm able to do that I have the ability to do, mm-hmm. I you know, I, I apply for jobs and, you know, maybe I don't get them, but hey, I, I actually have an ability to apply for work and I'm getting judged on the merits of my work and not because, well, um, you know, the people I work with, it's, you know, they already have like two strikes with them. They have mm-hmm. a disability. Some yeah. of them, people don't even want to give them a chance. Right, right. Um, so it, it was that transition of like, I have my whole health. I have my whole mental health. Um, I really don't have anything to complain about. Right. And um, it was about 15 years ago where that switch just kind of like went full tilt. Um, and it even helped me in my faith as well. Um, cause I always like to share about my faith apparently. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but you know, it was a thing where it's like, you know, Lord, forgive me. You know, um, you pretty much raised me, <laughs> allowed me to be healthy. Um, and, uh, I have really nothing to complain about. Yeah. You know, times will be tough, of course. Um, but, um, outside of that, you know, who doesn't have a tough life or who yeah. doesn't have a tough moment or, um, and, Life will, you know, obviously deal us with punches mm-hmm. as we go through, but um, it's, you know, we just got to keep getting up. That's right. And moving forward. And, I, I, you know, it's most definitely about 15 years ago when this job, when I started doing these assessments and meeting some of these families and it's just like, wow, you know, I, I am, I really don't have much to complain about. That's amazing. And so this job really changed you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, this, you know, it kind of coincided with the spiritual awakening also. Yes. In your relationship with God and all that kind of yes. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it, you know, it made me feel almost petty with some of the things that I was complaining about. I'm like, you know, what am I, what, what am I really, um, 
am I really accessing my faith? Mm. I mean, even in that, I'm in my right mind to yeah. access my faith. Um, so it, it just, it was really eye opening, and I, I think. I think God put me in this position. Um, one, I like to help people. Yeah. Uh, but two, it's it's just something that it, you know. I think God used this job. Like, hey, look, what are you complaining about? Right. Right. And it it just like I said, it was eye opening. Sometimes those are the things we need in life. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing because I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with, and it's a problem of perspective. It's mm-hmm. just simply perspective. It's mm-hmm. it's it's knowing that your world is much bigger than your world, especially in, in America. You know, we, we have a tendency mm-hmm. to have a lot of entitlement and think that, you know, if we don't get our coffee right away, it's like, you know, it just ruins your whole day, mm-hmm. you know, but then all of a sudden you see, you know, like the, the, the war in, the, in Ukraine mm-hmm. and you're like these families being separated sure. and these, yeah. you know, these guys staying home. They're like, I'm going to fight for my country. Yeah. And, um, that's really impacted me. You mm-hmm. know, the, I, I've been watching the news very closely and having really interesting conversations with my kids about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to, why these people are staying behind and why they're feeling so strongly about, uh, you know, how, how this patriotism came out Mm -hmm. and they're like, we're not, we're not going to allow for this uh, foreign government to invade us. We've had our freedom that we fought for Mm -hmm. 30 years ago. We've been a Republic for 30 30 years years, and we're not, this is not, we're going to, we're going to go down with, I mean, it's, it's been, it's a really scary thought, but it's really inspiring Mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, as someone who served in the military, um, when I see just—I mean, I was just an ordinary person. I just happened to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you see or you hear the stories of men walking their families to the border, okay, and now I got to go back, and it's like men of all ages—you know, yeah. teenagers, you know, elderly, uh, people with no training whatsoever—it's—it mm-hmm. um, makes me wonder. Like, you know, if, if I hadn't received any military. Tra- would I be like that? Mm. I mean, I consider myself to be patriotic and, you know, I would like to, def- I would defend this country. Yeah. I mean, technically I took the oath to defend yeah. the country, uh, but I look at them and it's just, you know, these are your ordinary guy who must probably was a baker, you mm-hmm. know, maybe somebody was a pastor. Yeah. Who yeah. knows? Um, and they, it's very inspirational to me. Um, and it really hits home because I just, like you were saying, I, we have such a sense of entitlement mm-hmm. here that, Oh, we think, you know, we're being censored or we're being this or we're being that. We, even at the most difficult time, we're not being pressured into thinking, okay, this is the last time I'm going to see my family and I have to face this overwhelming army, which, I mean, in all honesty, they probably don't have a chance. They They don't don't have have a chance. chance. No. Um, So it's, death is imminent for them. Mm. Um, So it's it's, uh, inspiring to see the human spirit of how, a love for something like a country can really make them make a difficult choice. Yeah. Um, and I have nothing but admiration for those, um, for it, those Ukrainians. Yeah. And, and in this whole, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the crisis in Ukraine, mm-hmm. you see, you're, you're seeing the best of humanity. Also, yes. you're seeing the worst of humanity Unfortunately, and then you're yeah. seeing the best of humanity. Mm-hmm. You've got Poland that is wide open borders. borders. Just come in, you know, we'll help mm-hmm. you. Um, there was this, uh, this family that they, they drove from a, di- a distance. I don't know exactly what country, but they drove through, you know, into, mm-hmm. um, where the Ukrainians were showing up in Poland and, uh, they had this sign that they showed up in two cars and they had, you know, we've got space for six people for mm-hmm. free, you know, wow. stay as long as, and that's just multiply that by, I think it's like a million people Something at, like that, at yeah. this point, you know? 
Wow. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then, so then it begs the question, like, you know, then there's, there's, you know, our kids and this generation, you know, it makes me think of that phrase. I don't know who said it. I can't remember. Maybe you're familiar with this phrase. It's, uh, you know, um, um, hard, hard times create hard men. Um, hard men create easy times. Mm-hmm. Easy times create soft men. Mm-hmm. Soft men create hard times. I've I've seen that. I've actually seen it on a meme. Yes, um, I don't recall who said it, but it's actually it's very true. Yeah. Where would you say we're at now with the gen? With this, I mean, it's an, it's an obvious question, I guess. <laughs> you know, because it, it concerns me. I, I mean, it, yes. it. I'm not like overly like concerned about it, but I think the answer is pretty obvious, right? I just turned 50 mm-hmm. um, and I see this generation and it seems like just yesterday I was 18 <laughs> and uh, I, I see this generation you know I I'd be I'd, I'd be remiss not to say that I I fear because mm-hmm. um, I don't see a sense of of, of backbone mm. to want to stand up for certain things mm. um, it's more how can I say almost like seeker friendly you want to be just you don't want to take a stand for anything um and you know it i understand confrontation isn't always easy mm. but confrontation also builds character and confrontation doesn't necessarily mean that you know it has to come to physical terms mm-hmm. it just means having a certain conviction yeah um and i see a lot of our youth not knowing or having any conviction and they really don't um I don't want to say lack of respect, but they don't see the older generation as something to to model themselves by. It's like it seems like everything just kind of gets thrown to the wayside. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh well, you're we don't do things like that anymore. Right. It's, it's like, well, you know, there. Are, I understand times change. Certain things we have to evolve in, in essence in some things, but there are some things that have been placed there that are irrefutable that they actually work. Yeah. And I I don't I think our our current generation is is lacking some of that fortitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of those values maybe. Yes. The, yeah. yeah. Basic values. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I might be wrong, you know, I, I hopefully I am wrong because, uh, you know, I, we're, we're dependent on them. Yeah. They're the future, but I just, I don't see that, um, a, a lack of commitment. Um, things are always it, we're looking for the easy way. Mm. Um, if things get too hard, um, it's just, I don't want to try it. Yeah. Um, and that's just, you know, um, that's not the way I was raised. Uh, you know, my, I, my parents were basically, look, if it, if it, if everything was easy, everyone would be doing this. Right. Um, and I have that attitude and that's the attitude we always tell our son when he's upset and I'm like, well, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a reward when you actually finally get something done, um, that was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've kind of raised children now that we try to make everything so easy for them yeah. that when they come up against some friction they're like amazed it's like well what's going on yeah. why isn't this easy like what, something's wrong something's wrong yeah. why am i getting in my way i'm like well yeah that's not the way the world works right or why is it not fun yeah right have yes. you heard of that one yeah, oh, yeah. i've heard that one or, it's like, this is not fun it's like <laughs> was it supposed to be fun? was it supposed to be fun <laughs> yeah you know it's like it's like exercise when yeah. i get up and go jogging <laughs> this is not fun but no it's good for me you know um as i'm getting older i need to start doing more of it yeah um and i think that's the biggest thing that we've hindered our youth Mm. with uh trying to make things and as a parent we try to make things easy for our children because you know we don't want them to 
to stumble with the yeah. same things that we went through. But I think sometimes we become too much of helicopter parents. Mm. And I think that's really gone on even in the educational system. Yeah. And it, I mean, kids are kind of soft almost, you know, mm-hmm. they don't, they, everything's almost expected. Well, I did this and I should get this. It's, right. well, it's not the way it really works. Mm-mm. Yeah. But uh, well, hopefully I'm wrong, you know? Pretty no, sure. no, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. So uh, how do we solve it? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, if I had that answer, I'd probably, we'd probably have a bigger studio. We'd have a bigger <laughs> yeah, exactly. budget, Pastor, because exactly. I could give a lot more. Um, you know, I, I think as far as people with faith, mm. like ourselves, who, you know, who believe in God, I think it's just sticking to our sticking to our guns and you know preaching the true gospel yeah. um, and telling people like our my identity isn't Fernando Alarcón who mm-hmm. happens to be Hispanic who happens to be this my identity is in Christ yeah um, and I think if we stick to that as as a group as the church body mm. um, and we can show them that these you know traditions that we're doing. You know, though they seem old, though they seem antiquated, and they, you know, like we're living in the Stone Age or Bronze Age, yeah. um, there's a reason why we're still moving forward. That's right. There's a reason why two thousand years later, yeah, we're you, still here. We're still here. We're still here. We're still here. Um, and I think it's it starts with us um, to be that that will and that power that will show. We'll, you know, we're supposed to be a salt to the world, right? Yeah. So, and I think sometimes the church is lacking in mm. that. Um, but I definitely think that, um, we as believers have to stay, stay true to our faith, um, live our life by examples. Um, I I always like to say, you know, people would rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. Um, because if, you know, you know, like just how we start off, well, you know, how is it that, you know, you have all these issues and you feel fine. I go, well, you know, let me, let me talk to you about my faith. Let me, let me talk to you about Jesus. Yeah. And it opens up and. They might not want to believe it. They might think I'm crazy, but mm-hmm. there, there's something there because I'm living it. Yep. Yep. And I think that starts with us. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, you know, like we're trying to breach out here to the community of Downey. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly think that that's how you just kind of you do it one person at a time. Yeah. Um, one community at a time. Um, obviously, that it's, you know, it's probably a little more complex than that to solve an issue like that. But mm-hmm. um, definitely with the, ch- the youth that we have here, it's a start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, they have peers that will be seeing them. Right. And watching them grow and then wondering, well, there's something different about them. Yeah. Why aren't they struggling like I'm struggling? Right. And then when you share, I am struggling like you, but mm-hmm. let me talk to you about Jesus. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a really good way because we have, um, you know, we have ways of sharing our faith and evangelizing mm-hmm. and you know, ex- explaining what the gospel is to mm-hmm. people and people can understand it, you know, intellectually death and resurrection and forgiveness mm-hmm. and, and grace and all those Most things. Definitely. But it just, um, when it becomes flesh in you, mm-hmm. um, it's a whole different ballgame. I mean, cause yeah. I, I, like I grew up in the Christian church, you know, I've, I've talked about this before, you know, um, several generations of pastors and I grew up, I mean, the church was my whole life, you know, mm-hmm. but I really never had an encounter with Christ. Yeah. I knew about him. Um, uh, I saw, uh, Christianity as more of an activity or more like mm-hmm. a social gathering more than an actual relationship <laughs> with a, with a person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that, that all changed when he, when he became real. I mean, I don't know if I've shared with you my story, but it's basically coming out of, uh, high school, you know, I was in the church and everything out of high school into college. Mm-hmm. I went off the deep end. I 
tried everything, you know, um, came to a point in my life where I really, um, didn't have any real friends left. And mm-hmm. then I decided I was going to go back to the church. I was going to go back to God. Um, and I still remember that moment when I did, I had a cigarette in my hand, uh, coffee in the other hand, and just kind of like, God, this is it. I'm done. You know, I'm going to go back to you. Um, but I was, I was, you know, drinking, you know, every, mm-hmm. every weekend, driving drunk, you know, getting high every single day. Um, that was my life. Mm-hmm. That was my life. Um, and so that moment I'm like, I'm, I'm stopping because I knew what I had to do. Like I knew mm-hmm. I had to go back to God. Um, and so I made that decision and that decision lasted for about two days. And then I went back to do, <laughs> doing everything else. But the interesting thing is they, I, I made a promise to God, but God didn't forget, didn't, I forgot the promise that I made to God, but God didn't forget the promise that I made to him mm. in the sense of turning my life over. And what was interesting is that that, uh, so two days later, um, I went to this party that I had, so I shouldn't have been there because I promised mm-hmm. God I wasn't going to do this anymore. And for the first time, I'd never gotten a DUI, I'd never gotten stopped by the police, I'd never gotten in a car accident, nothing. That day, uh, when I was driving back, that night when I was driving back, got pulled over mm. and uh, got a DUI, spent the night in jail. And um, that was the moment when I knew who wow. God was and I knew who I was. And I, I, I don't know if you notice, I always pray, not always, but I pray this a lot, like, like um, uh, my dependency on God, like I know how dependent I am mm-hmm. on you. Um, I realized that in that moment, I realized that I realized who I was and I realized who God was in the sense that I knew that I couldn't change myself at that moment, mm. that I had, that, that I did not have the ability to, to just quit my addictions. Yeah. There's no way, you know, and I knew who God was because I knew who I knew that, that God was the one that was going to do it, not mm-hmm. me. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. when that transition happened. So that's what I mean when I say that the, like the, um, the word kind of became flesh, like it became real. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it was staring me in the face the whole time. And I could like understand the concepts, but then when yeah. it becomes real, like what you were sharing, uh, it just, it changes everything. Oh yeah. It changes you completely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the key there. Um, knowing that it's, it's not you, you can't do anything. Correct. You can't change yourself. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, you, you can try and you're going to fail. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you lasted two days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, that's probably one day more than some other people, probably. Pastor. So you know, yes. you know, that's that's a good way. Glass is half full. No days. Yeah, yeah, it was no days. Yeah, um, I I never I didn't really encounter those issues like that. Mm. I, I, that's the thing with me. It's you know when I share about like oh you know people who know me, I'm like well you you were kind of just like Mr. Happy Days. You didn't really have any issues. I mean, I obviously had issues, but I wasn't an addict or didn't get a DUI, um, but. Uh, I did do my share of some partying, um, but not to the extent where most of the people. Did. Yeah. Um, I, I know I, I drove, I was the guy that had, um, the high tolerance for alcohol. Okay. Um, so there was times where I'd be driving on the 110 freeway coming from Pasadena and I'd be side by side with the CHP officer and I'm like, just giving yeah, them not. Hey, I'm going. and I know I'm way over the limit and, yeah. you know, but it's just, I had, you know, that's the minute where, um, it hit me that it's like, okay, look, you, you know, my friends thought it was like, oh, that's the greatest thing ever. You got a mm. high tolerance. That's cool. For me, that was when it clicked. I was like, you know, but I don't want to live this life. Right. Right. Um, right. And I don't, that's not a good thing. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and it was that moment, even though I was cool under pressure, I, mm. it hit me. It's like, this isn't what I want. And I grew up in the church as well. My mom, um, it was brimstone and fire. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
and it kind of kept me away from church from that part because mm. she um, she was a member of the Assemblies of God. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so I would go to church, and it was just pretty much, you know, everything I did was a sin. Mm-hmm. You know, you listen to that music, that's a sin. You, right. you know, So it, my mindset was like, well, if, if I'm going to hell in a handbasket because of everything, I'm, so where's the good news? Um, and, like, I, I, I think I've, I don't know if I shared it with you. I, I think the first time I actually truly heard the gospel was in boot camp in, in the Marine Corps because on Sundays you were allowed to go to church. Okay. And you had four hours of free time. So all of a sudden, no, there was no atheist in the crowd. Everybody wanted to get away from the, from the drone instructors and boot go to church. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I heard the gospel. Like, you know, life is tough, but you have Jesus. And, you know, Jesus is forgiving, you know, forgiving you for your sins. Uh, it's not to say we're not going to... And I started hearing like, okay, so... I'm going to get better as time goes. I'm never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. The only perfect being was Jesus. Right. Um, and I'm like, so where was this message when I used to go to church before? Um, and that's when it, I kind of started going towards like salvation portion of my life. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with Jesus. I got out uh, from the Marines and uh, started hanging, you know, my friends. And that's when the whole drinking and going out again and I was just like, no. And I would fall away, and I'd come back, and I'd fall away, and I'd come back. Um, and it was just, it just finally, you know, you get tired of it. It's it, it's almost like a, what did I, I would tell my wife, Rena, it's like, it's like you have that relationship where you're just going to that toxic relationship. Oh, yeah. And you're being abused, and it's like, it's good for a minute, then you, you figure out you're being abused, and then you just come back to the good side again. Right. And, I, you know, that's when it clicked for me. I'm just, no, I, I can't do this. Mm. And I asked God, I'm like, please, Lord, just, you know, one, give me a, a woman that will follow you. And two, just lead me in the right way. Yeah. Um, so he gave me the woman <laughs> and he's been leading me thus far. And it's just, you know, like I said, there's bad days, there's great days, there's, you know, in between days. Yeah. Um, but man, when, when, when you, when you come to church on Sunday, it's just like, oh. It's like a recharge. Like, right. Oh, so good. It's so great because there is a thing. There's this great thing with community. I mean, because, you know, you can read. I listen to, you know, theologians on podcasts and all this during the week while I'm at work. But it's not the same as when you have that connection with people. Right. When you're here at church. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's been just such a blessing to 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 be here. Yeah. And especially with the your, the series where you're, you know, a Christian atheist. When I heard that, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Then I started hearing that. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I can easily fall into that again. I probably have. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when when you started preaching, I, I like I noticed Rena kind of she she just leans a little bit. She got really upright. Mm. I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is good. Yeah. So but good. <laughs> I'm glad it's helpful. You know, I want to ask you what what would you say is the is the because you were you're assemblies of God, um, you know, fire and brimstone, and then. Um, you understood the gospel in a new way. What mm-hmm. was what would you say is the thing or the things that were so different that impacted you in a new way? Because I was I was talking about this. Um, we had a, a men's barbecue last Sunday, mm-hmm. and we, I was just talking about different things. But one of the things that I was talking about, I was talking about the, the, the toxicity that comes from a gospel that is based on fear. Mm. Because when you when you follow Jesus, it's a it's a you follow him because mm-hmm. because he, because you love him. Like it's it's a person that you mm-hmm. want to follow, and it's an act of the will. Like you yeah. decide to follow Jesus, but then there's this other gospel that's being preached sometimes that it's 
um, you know, if you don't, if you don't follow Jesus, you're going to hell. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a toxic gospel because it's fear-based. It's almost like, you know, if you, if, if you're dating someone you're like, Hey, if you don't marry me, then I'm going to abuse you the rest of your life. You know, Hey, that woman might marry you, but she's not marrying you because she loves you. She's marrying you because she doesn't want to be punished, you know? So that's kind of a, that's what I think about when you say, you know, fire and brimstone. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what is it that, that changed? What was it that you heard that was new to you? That was kind of like this revelation. Okay. Well, you know, the, the fire and brimstone to me, like I said, it was just, everything you did was bad, Right. which I mean, I understand certain things are, but not everything. Yeah. Um, and it was more fear based. Mm. Um, and it, I don't ever recall ever hearing about the love of Christ. Yeah. Um, and so it was this thing where it's like, it's this evil dictator that's telling you, you got to do all these things. And if you don't do all these things, you're in trouble. Um, if you have a bad moment, uh, you better hope I cover you. Mm. So it's almost like you're trying to buy fire insurance. Mm. <laughs> um, when I heard the true gospel, I heard about, yes, there is, you know, there is some fire and brimstone, obviously, but there is this love and acceptance. Um, and you're not going to be perfect, mm. but I need you to follow me. Yeah. And what I noticed is it, it, it becomes a relationship like, <clears throat> like with my wife. Mm. I do things because... I know that she unconditionally loves me and I unconditionally love her. Yeah. Um, and it becomes a, a freeing love. Yeah. Oh, where, yeah. Where you do things because you just outright love the person. Yeah. And that's the relationship portion where you said with Jesus. And, and that's what I got where God loves me. He knows he's not surprised. Oh, Fernando messed up. Really? Where was I? Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it became a thing that was, that was freeing that, I am trying to live my life accordingly to the, to what God has for me. Mm. Um, he leaves room and grace for me because he knows I'm human. Yeah. Uh, he created me. He knows who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't trying to live this rigid life that dic that was more dictated um, where it's just, you know, it just becomes a thing where it's like rules and regulations. Mm. Um and I'm trying to follow Jesus to please him mm. because as he freely loved me and chose me and died for me, I want to freely love him yeah. and show him. Um, and that's where, you know, fruits come, your good mm. fruits come, your good fruits come because you're trying to, to, to be one with Jesus. Um, and that's kind of the different, the differing point for me. It's like, I, I, I didn't think I had to be legalistic. Mm. Um, Yes, there there are things I need to avoid, but I do them freely now. Right. And it's just that whole relationship of feeling unconditional love, knowing that you're not going to be perfect. But if you take a step back and look at where you were at mm. and where you are now, there's this world of difference where yeah. you don't even recognize that other person it's crazy um, you're right yeah and that's yeah. kind of where i saw it at yeah that's amazing yeah you're so right I, I i do see for example you know in myself like i talk about mm -hmm. it's almost like i'm talking about a another guy like some guy i used to know i don't know where that guy is anymore <laughs> that you guy know? josh i don't know what happened to him <laughs> exactly now that, now that there's always seeds there's mm -hmm. there's seeds of the of the of that old person that if yeah. you if you start watering those seeds man they're gonna sprout up probably pretty quick oh know? yeah 
Um, but then again, there's that whole thing about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and the fact that he paid for all of our sins. And the thing that was to me a revelation, I think it's kind of what you're talking about here too, is um, there are many, uh, there's many, um, uh, you know, um, schools of thought that that, that are uh, that are human based. They're they're mm-hmm. they're gospels that are uh, man centered, mm-hmm. and it's all about behavior modification. Yeah. So you make you make the you make the life you make you make the Christian life about the life of the Christian, mm-hmm. and so it's man centered. It's all about you. Mm-hmm. It's all about you and you changing and you getting better and all that kind of stuff. Uh, when it's really about Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's about what he did for us. And yeah. we're, we're recipients of his love. We're recipients of his grace. And so where does behavior modification fit into the equation um, when we have been forgiven for everything? Like when Jesus says it, it is finished on the cross, he's not talking about, oh, it is finished except for mm-hmm. that little thing that you did. You know, that's my sacrifice wasn't enough for that. You mm-hmm. know, I, I should have hung there a little longer for that one. Right. <laughs> but, but that's not the case. Mm-hmm. That's, everything has been paid for on the cross. Yeah. And so, um, sin is no longer the issue. No, like, like sin is not, he, sin was, was absorbed by Christ completely on the cross. We, but we have a hard time with that one. Yes. I think a lot of Christians have a hard time with that one because there's the assumption that once we let that truth come into our heart, that we are fully, fully forgiven that all of a sudden we're going to start like going off the deep end and like, Oh, I can sin. I can do whatever I want. But the revelation is that that's not the way it works because we know that, that we're not created for sin Mm -hmm. because, because sin is not a better way to live. Like it's not better to be greedy than to be generous, No, but the enemy sticks his tail in there, proverbial tail Mm -hmm. in there to uh, confuse us into thinking that if we're greedy, Mm -hmm we're going to be happier than if we're generous. Yeah. When, when in reality, living a life of integrity is, is truly a better life. It's a, it's because mm-hmm. we're better off because that's how we were created to live. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that's, that was something that I discovered, um, after my reencounter with Christ, because before that it was all about you better behave mm. or, or else. Yeah. So there was always that fear that that just pulls you away from a life of of love of, mm-hmm. of a loving relationship with christ yeah most definitely and yeah. so if there was one like uh underlying message that's underneath everything that i try to preach it's that it's that you yeah. know that whole idea that we are fully forgiven yeah i i see you trying to hammer that home yeah because it must be difficult as a pastor because you're dealing with multiple generations of people yeah at a congregation yeah and everyone's been raised different mm-hmm um, so I, I know that cause you know, even with my mom, sometimes I see some of the things she'll, she's watching mm. on TV for, you know, some certain pastors and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, that's mom. That's not, I'm thinking in my mind, that's not the gospel. And I, sometimes <laughs> I'll tell my mom, I'm like, mom, you know what? That's not really the gospel. Yep. That's more of a prosperity thing. She goes, oh, yep. I, she goes, yeah, I, I know that. She goes, I, I take the good and the bad. I filter out. Oh, okay. And I'm like, okay. She's on, she's like, that's how, that's how you live your faith. Yeah. She goes, you're going to encounter things that are going to be, you know, man-centered, hmm. leave those aside. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah. it's like, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's because we try to make it about us <laughs> because that's, yeah. it's our human nature. Yeah. It's about me. Right. Um, but it's not about me. It's about, yeah. it's about Jesus. Well, and I'm not against, at all against like motivational speakers and oh, all no. that kind of stuff. I listen to them. Like a Tony Robbins, for example, mm-hmm. I'm like, 
I love some of the guys I get motivated, you know, to, you know, to work out, to eat healthy, mm-hmm. to, you know, work hard. And I think all those things are great. Oh yeah. But the problem is those aren't the gospel. No. And so when you mix, like when you have a pastor that's really not preaching the gospel, he's preaching a motivational speech mm-hmm. and using the Bible, um, almost as a pretext to do that. I'm like, just be a motivational speaker. And there's nothing wrong with being a motivational yeah. speaker. Just don't call yourself a pastor. Yeah. You know, you probably make more money or do whatever and it's it's fine, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not the gospel. See, that's where I think it gets a little squirrely. Yeah. Not, and that's, that's usually the issue I have. Cause when I hear certain things where it's, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that, that's, that's a good, it's, I'm gonna say like like when people say it's secular, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily bad. No, not bad. No, but it, yeah, that's that's good teaching. Yeah. Um, for you know work work habits, yeah, health yeah. habits and things mm-hmm. like that. But when people take that and then you know the, the problem is people take that and it's it's the gospel and then they start living their life that and when yeah. it doesn't work out, doesn't work. Yeah, they blame exactly. God. Exactly. Exactly. They never blame, they never blame the pastor. Right. It's God. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It wasn't God. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Hey, well, this was good. This is a good conversation. We've yeah. we've been talking for forty five minutes. Really? Yeah, it went by quick. Why does it seem like it's been like ten minutes? <laughs> no, it's a good com. We need to do this again. Yes. Yeah, we need to do it that? again. I was yeah. a little nervous. Were you really? Yeah, I, I um, it's funny. I don't like public speaking. Uh huh. But then I feel like this is more public because it might be it'll be published. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just um. I'm thinking, oh, hopefully I can talk. Hopefully, you know, I can keep up a conversation. Dude, this, was, this was really good. It was a blessing to me to hear your story, you know. And, and when I hear stories like yours, it's a testimony to me that the thing that we profess is actually mm-hmm. a real thing. Yeah. And it does. It, God is still changing lives. He's still moving. He's still alive. Amen to that. So, yeah. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. And I'll see you next time.